Clear prop. Star 73 is Cherokee number two, following twin traffic, three mile final. There's that still. One Charlie Bravo, Rakesford in runway 25, going uh, four mile final. This is Behind the Prop with United Flight Systems owner and licensed pilot Bobby Doss and his co host, major airline captain and designated pilot examiner Wally Mulhern. Now let's go Behind the Prop. What's up, Wally? Hey, Bobby, how are you? I am fantastic as always. You know, a lot of times when we record these shows, we, we get to deal with the topic that we've been dealing with recently, and most recently, you and I and other DPEs have been dealing with the conversation around qualifying for a check ride, and that is today's title of the show, Qualifying for a Check Ride. We talk a lot about check rides and the do's and don'ts in the oral and on the flying and the mistakes that students make, but, but we clearly have missed the opportunity to share the ideas and the thoughts and the things that go on with the qualification, the qualifying for a check ride. And unfortunately, and I don't think we're unique, but occasionally we have a check ride scheduled and that check ride never starts. And that is in today's world where we need more check ride slots and we need more DPEs and blah, blah, blah to have a check ride scheduled and for that check ride never to get started for a clerical or administrative reason or whatever else, it is a kick in the gut. Um, Wally, in the last short-term memory, not just at UFS, but how many times does a check ride, and if you know a percentage, that'd be awesome, but how many times does a check ride not even get started? Uh, I would say, now, now we're not talking about weather because weather is something that we can't, really control but i would say for a um qualification issue uh i'd say somewhere between five and ten percent which you you can look at that and say well that's not very much but it really it really is if if i mean if there's a month where i'm doing um you know i've had months where i've done 30 check rides and uh that's three that's three check rides ten percent and I'd kill um, for so, three check red slots. I would kill for three check yeah. red slots right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of it is, um, you know, when people contact me about check rides, I, I tell them I don't schedule more than two weeks out. And the reason I don't schedule more than two weeks out is, is for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't want to schedule someone until they're, they're pretty much signed off, ready to go. Um, you know, I don't want to say, okay, I'll, I'll get you done on November 18th, and they, they're starting their private pilot training today. And they're saying, well, geez, we should be able to get it done in two months or, or seven weeks. Well, <laughs> probably, maybe, maybe not. Um, but, but the other reason is why I don't want to schedule more than two weeks out is if I have a weather cancellation with somebody today, I want to be able to get them in within the next few weeks, maybe the next three weeks. So I leave I leave some slots open two weeks down the road. Um, you know, I don't want to tell the person who we had a weather cancellation or weather discontinuance today. Yeah, well, I'll get you back. We'll we'll finish you in uh, you know November. So that's the reason. That's the reason for that. Um, other examiners have different philosophies and it works for them, but I'm just telling you my philosophy. I get requests all the time, all the time from people saying, um, can I get a check ride at the beginning of November? 
Well, first of all, I don't even know what my November airline schedule is until, you know, around the 22nd, 23rd of October. So uh, the answer is going to be no, I, I, I can't. I, I can't schedule you for, you know, the beginning of November. I'll put you on my call list, but, you know, I may not. I, nothing's guaranteed. And I think that's hard for applicants to understand. But, I mean, that is a reality. I've been doing this. Well, I took my first check ride eight years ago, and I remember that being a problem even back then. The the scheduling for airline pilots has always been starts around the middle of the month, and you get it, or like you said, around the twentieth, twenty second. That's not going to change next month. They're just not going to change it. So, if a DPE is an airline pilot, they don't even know what days they have available yet. And like you're saying, there's hundreds of people calling and asking, so it's just not realistic. Right, right. And I, I will say this, if, if you're an applicant and you're reaching out to an examiner, um, the more information you can give the examiner when you make that initial contact, the better. I get all the time, hey, Wally, I, I want to see about scheduling a check ride at the beginning of November. And, From an unknown and, phone yeah. number, by the way. Like, he doesn't right. know who you exactly. are, where you are. No one uses exactly. area codes like where they live anymore. So like, right. it's got to be annoying. You have 20 text messages when you land from a professional flight and they yeah. all say the exact same thing from unknown phone numbers. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say, okay, who are you? What flight school? Uh, who's your CFI? What type of check ride? Because a lot of times it might be a CFI initial check ride, which I'm not even qualified to do. So that's easy. Sorry, I'm not authorized to do initial CFIs. Okay. All right. And, you know, we're done. Um, but, you know, and, and a lot of time, you know, I'll get requests from um, um My name is is so and so. I'm in a Cessna 172. I'm out of Opalaka Airport in Miami, Florida. I said, OK, um, you know, I'm I'm in I'm in Houston, Texas. Oh, well, will you come down here? And, uh, you know, in a nice way, I say no. <laughs> <laughs> no. But let's say all that minutia, which we're all dealing with right now, is taken care of and you end up accepting a date and time or giving a date and time when you're willing to do a check ride for an applicant. And at the start here, we'll just stay at, say, a private pilot student, part 61. We talked a little bit before we got started. What are the three things that have to be qualified before that check ride even begins? Now, everybody might do it a little bit different, but I'm envisioning this is before the payment is made, and I, I could be wrong there, yeah. but if this if we don't get past this stage, I'm assuming it's a zero-sum game. Nothing happened, nothing good, nothing transacted as well. Right, and, and you know, different examiners have different payment policies. Um, some require a deposit up front. Um, some, some don't, but all, all that aside, three things have to... Uh, all be qualified. First of all, the examiner has to be qualified. Now, I think it's safe to say the 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 fact that the examiner has shown up um, that he or she is qualified. And when I say the examiner is qualified, well, we've met all our recurrent training uh, requirements. We're current and qualified in the the class of airplane. Uh, you know, we have a medical. We're not sick. All that stuff. So, assuming uh, that we, that that check mark can be checked off. We have to qualify the applicant and we have to qualify the airplane. Um, so, you know, technically, 
if we want to get technical, if an airplane is out in the hangar um, and, and maintenance is being done right now, technically the airplane isn't qualified because it's, it's, as of right now, it's not airworthy. So uh, technically we need to wait until that airplane is finished and we have the, uh, the uh, appropriate documentation. Um, but uh, let, let's talk about the applicant because the applicant is usually where the log jam happens. So my, you know, my initial um, hello to the applicant is, hey, you know, we, we say hello, we, in, we exchange pleasantries, uh, I tell him who I am, he tells me who he or she is, and I say, okay, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. I said I need a valid government-issued photo ID, a pilot certificate, a medical certificate, knowledge test results, and logbook endorsements. And as crazy as this sounds, I can't, I, there have been several applicants that have handed me expired driver's licenses. And I'll say, and, and I, I, I can't, even if I wanted to uh, do it wrong, I, I, I can't even do that because if I entered the expiration date in IACRA, it's going to say, nope, this, this is no good. So uh, IACRA is smart enough to know that that, that driver's license is no good. So, and we joke off on, all, offline a lot, or we, we talk about these things, and we're, we're like perplexed, like, how did this happen? And I'm the flight school owner. How did we let this happen? How do we get to this point sometimes? But there's also some ways to save these occasions where people don't do the right level of troubleshooting, right? So if my driver's license was expired, but I had a concealed handgun license with my photo on it, does that count? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or a passport. So if I you have know, my the, passport card, boom, yeah. produce it, it's there. Yeah. The, the other thing is a military ID. Those those are the four things that I see most of the time. I'd say, you know, 80% of the people, it's a driver's license. 18% um, is uh, a passport, and 2% is, is other things, um, whether it's a license to carry or a, a military ID. But, yeah, it, it has to be valid. It has to be legal. Um, you know, there have been times where, um, uh, you know, the, the applicant will look at me like, oh, come on, can't you, can't you make it work? And no, no, the answer is no. I'm, I'm not going to make it work because it's, it's just wrong. So, uh, so that, that's the, the first thing, uh, you know, valid government-issued ID, a pilot certificate, those are usually uh, fairly easy to come by. I will say, oh, probably thirty percent of them are not signed on the back, so um, it's not technically a valid pilot certificate unless it's signed. So when that thing comes in the mail, sign it. Um, I'm not going to stop a check right over that. I'm going to hand it back to you and ask you to sign it on the back, and now we have a valid pilot certificate. Um, uh, a medical and basic med is fine if uh, we're, you know, in, in an airplane that qualifies for that, which most of the time we, uh, we are. Um, what else? Um, pilot test? Oh, knowledge test results. And uh, those are, you know, vast majority of people, they're, they've been taken pretty pretty recently um i will say one thing that that 
helps examiners immensely is uh, there's a website called acscodes.com, acscodes, C-O-D-E-S dot com. And you can go in there, you can go to this website, and you can enter the, uh, the codes on your knowledge test, and it will print out a report that will basically, in plain English, tell me what you missed. And it's extremely helpful to me. When I see somebody that comes in and has acscodes.com, it, 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 I kind of think, okay, all right, this, this person means business. I'm not saying they get any bias because that's, that's not the case at all. But it, it's, it helps the CFI as well when you're going over the, the, um, the missed things on the, on the knowledge test. Um, so, yeah, I haven't had, you know, any issues with that. I know during COVID they extended the, uh, the window on the knowledge tests, but uh, we're, we're out of that area. Uh, I haven't seen any real issue with the knowledge tests at all. Um, and then logbook endorsements. Um, in general, you need three logbook endorsements. Um, one that says that you've, um, you're ready for the check ride, basically. One that says you've been given the proper instruction within the last uh, 60 days or two calendar months. And then one that says that the items missed on the knowledge test um, the, an instructor has gone over those. Now, occasionally you'll get someone that makes 100 on the knowledge test. Well, do they need that third endorsement? No, there's nothing to go over. So, you know, it's kind of a, um, anomaly, an anomaly, but occasionally somebody does make 100. Um, those usually aren't an issue. Um, most of the people have, have all those, and, and most of the... Um, most of the logbooks have the canned endorsement in the back that the instructor can just go ahead and fill out. Um, but there are occasions where it's partially filled out and maybe the instructor didn't sign it. It, it needs to be signed by the instructor. Um, for most of the check rides, there is a requirement to log and receive ground school. And um, sometimes that's not there. And that would be a reason to not complete the check ride. There's no log of ground school. And, and you know, you'll always get from the applicant, well, we did it. And, and I'll, I'll usually say, well, did they charge you for it? Oh, yeah, they charged me for it. And I said, well, they didn't log it. So um, we have to have that. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll go through and I'll, I'll look at the logbook and, um, you know, I, I, just totaling the pages. I mean, th this is so basic. Um, you know, it's like lock your car when you get to where you're going. I mean, that's kind of a basic thing. Um, but so many people don't total, total the pages. And so it might be an instrument check ride, and so I'm having to go through and figure out how much instrument time do they have because we haven't taken the time to total the pages. Um, uh, you know, and, and the, the, um, if it's dual given, it should be signed off by the instructor. Um, and, uh, you know, just make the logbook presentable. 
Um, you know, I, I took great pride in my logbook. I, I used the same pen for every single entry in my logbook. Not just the same color, but the exact same pen. And uh, occasionally I'll get someone in that, that logbook looks like that, and it's, oh, it's a beautiful thing. So um, then, you know, once we determine that the logbook has met the court requirements, um, the next thing for us to do is to log into IACRA. Um, Can I also we, bring up a couple other little things? I know we've talked about them in other shows, but maybe they're not applicable here. But um, at what point, I know I said Part 61, but if we're a 141 student, do we need to present you with a graduation certificate? Yeah, 141 is is makes things a little bit easier because the 141, I really don't even need to look at the logbook. Uh, as far as the, the entries, I still need to see the endorsements. But um, because the, the time requirements are different, you don't need five hours of solo cross country for a private, you, you know, there, there's, there's different things. But what I do need to see is the graduation certificate, yeah. And that graduation certificate needs to be less than 60 days old. So that, that actually makes, makes life a little bit easier, uh, Part 141. Uh, if you know, and, and we need to have the graduation certificate. A lot of people, you know, a, a lot of people with 141 schools, they just look at me like I'm crazy. So yeah, you, you do have to have a grad, you, 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 that, that is required to have that certificate. And then just in case, probably a little bit rare, but if we had a disapproval or a discontinuance, do I need to present those letters to you as well? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, the examiner will have access to them through IACRA, but if IACRA is down and we now have to do a paper check ride uh, for the recheck or the continuation, uh, you need to be able to present to the examiner what has been completed or what, what was unsatisfactory. So, um, yeah, any, anything that you have, um, you should always bring. And I was going to throw that out. Well, and finally, what if IACRA was down? Doesn't it make a ton of sense that we have an 8710 printed out and that we have our application printed out and signed? There's no reason to let the Internet be a reason to let one of these valuable check rides go to waste, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when you, yeah, when you complete your 8710, uh, it would be of in everybody's best interest to go ahead and print it. Um, IACRA... You know, it goes down occasionally. It seems to me uh, I, I wish they would, when they do upgrades, I wish they'd do them in the middle of the night, but they, they seem to do them in the middle of the day. So um, I, we have, you know, it's not like they just arbitrarily do these upgrades. We'll know about it. And there have been times where I, um, you know, they'll say we expect IACRA to be down for two hours. Um, and there have been times where I've started a check ride before it went down, it went down. And by the time we finished the check ride, it was back up. So you sometimes, you know, just a, a, a little planning can, um, alleviate the problem of having to do a paper check ride. Well, it was real deal this past weekend. Uh, prior to this recording, there was a DP who had a password problem. And if that DP had a password problem, the help desk at IACRA is not open on the weekends. And if they couldn't log in and get started for whatever reason, they might've been able to do it if you had the paper printed out. So just the best practice in general, people 
print that 8710, print your application out, and maybe have more hope that we can get something started in the event that the IACRA system's down or there's a problem with uh, the DPE getting logged in. Yeah. And and I will say this, you know, if you were sitting around waiting for a check ride, you it, it it's in your best interest to be ready in, in, at a moment's notice. Um uh last weekend I I had some some plans that fell through and and you know, Bobby, I I I called you about uh, what a day or two ahead, maybe it was the day before, and yeah, said, "Hey, well, twenty six hours before the option." Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I know you had a a list of people who were ready to go, but when it came down to it, maybe they, maybe they weren't. <laughs> yeah, the list got shorter throughout the day. Let's call, let's make it that way. But we did get them there. Um, yeah, and we had we did have one no go. That's why we're making this show because it's so so disheartening that the no go happened. And it was it was a formality, and we'll talk about it kind of as we wrap up in that exact instance. But you know, the last thing I'll say is it relates to this kind of pre-qualification, and you're about to say log in IACRA. Golly, people, if you've ever listened to the show, and maybe this is your first time, log into IACRA 24 hours before, and make sure you know your password. Because this is the big moment. You've got all this other stuff done. Wally's going to log in because he's logging in daily. And then it's your turn. You haven't logged in in six months, and you do what, Wally? What do they look like when they can't remember their password? Well, well, I will say this. I'm, I will say even less than 24 hours. I, I think you should log in the day of the, ch- the, the check ride because uh, the, the, the security system is, is such that your passwords expire. And, and I don't know how long it is. It's 90 days, 180 days, whatever it is. But... You know, I can't tell you how many times you you see the look on the applicant's face and it's like, oh, boy, uh, we got password issues. And they're over there and, and you see the blood pressure go up. And that's when I turn to psychologist and I'm saying, it's OK. It's OK. Let's just reset the password. We're going to be OK here now. Um, you know, me before, as I'm drinking my coffee in the morning before I head to the airport, I'm, I'm going through and I'm looking at everybody's applications. So um, I, uh, 99% of the time, I log in a couple hours before the check ride. Um, so um, I know my password is good because, um, you know, uh, again, every however often it is, 90 days, 100 days, whatever it is, um, I'm going to have to redo my password as well. So, yeah, if you can, you know, just confirm that your password is good to go. And I, I don't know at what time. I don't know if it's midnight, midnight central time, because the FAA is in Oklahoma City. I don't know. I don't know when that 90 days to 91 days happens. But um, um, more than, well, many times it's it's you can see just the very uncomfortableness of the applicant kind of squirming over there. But so we, when we log into IACRA, you know, the first thing I will do is I will, you know, I'll go through the, the application and I will um, just kind of make sure it look for reasonableness. And a lot of times we'll head this off at the pass. You know, if, if the, uh, applicant has signed off a couple days before the check ride i'll i will look 
over these applications. And if I see any uh, errors, uh, you know, I may text the applicant and say, hey, you, this is uh, not right. You need to go in and fix this. And once the instructor has signed it off, if you need to go in and make adjustments to it, the applicant is perfectly able to do that. The, the instructor at this point is out of the out of the loop. We don't need the instructor anymore. But the things that I'm looking for is nationality. I mean, if you have just become a U.S. citizen and you're changing your nationality, you can't just go in the next application and put United States. Um, you have to do that with the FAA. So nationality on the uh, certificate that you present me has to match with the nationality on the on the um, application. Uh, occasionally we, we run into that. Um, but usually the the issues that I see is the flight times. The flight times just don't make sense. Um, somebody may have, um, you know, 15 hours of solo cross-country time and 12 hours of solo time. And you want to say, well, how can that happen? How can you have 15 hours of solo cross-country time but 12 hours of solo time? One thing that gets missed a lot is there's a section um, called class totals. So it, it wants to know, all it, all it wants to know about is pilot and command time. So it wants to know, um, well, pilot command and second in command. And for the most part, none of ours usually will not have second in command time. But uh, it'll have SEL, single engine land, pilot and command time, MEL, pilot and command time. So for a private pilot applicant under Part 61, you, you better have at least five hours of single engine land, pilot and command time. Um, you know, uh, other, other ratings, it's going to be higher. But that, that gets missed a lot. Um, I don't, um, you know, I don't look at the instructor portion of IACRA very much, although I did re recently have a couple of sign-offs. But I, I don't recall what it looks like, but I do know what it looks like on my end. And I'll see, uh, I'll see there, there's, there's no time there. Or the other error is under single engine land, pilot and command time, it will equal their total time. And again, it's pilot and command time. So for a private pilot that has 55 hours total time, maybe um, 12 hours of, of solo time, they'll put 55 hours in single engine land pilot and command time. In general, for a private, solo plus dual should equal total time. There are some um, situations where it might not, and we're, we're not even going to look talk about that, but um, in general, solo plus dual should equal total time. And, and I look at that, and uh, a lot of times they're, they're way off. Uh, might be a decimal misplaced, but I think we need to look for reasonableness. You know, if you go to, and I, I've used this analogy all the time, you go down to the little cafe at the airport and you go and you have lunch and you order a burger and fries and a coke and the 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 person says that'll be 71 dollars i think you would say huh um not at an they, airport wally that sounds about right at the airport 
Yeah, actually, actually, it does. <laughs> but at our airport, I mean, it brought me about twelve dollars. Yeah. And I think you, you, you know, it passes the smell test. It it passes the reasonable test. So that's what I'm looking for on the on the the, the flight times. And again, and in defense to the the applicant and the CFI, I mean, I've I've looked at close to a thousand of these. So I'm used to looking at it. Um, but, you know, I, it takes me about 60 to 90 seconds to scan through this and kind of look for reasonableness. So all I'm asking you is the applicant or the CFI, really, and the CFI, the applicant and the CFI, spend 10 minutes on it. Spend 10 minutes making sure it's really right. I mean, if I were going to go in and have a significant medical procedure, you know, a a heart transplant, and the the transplant doctor wanted me to fill out paperwork. Man, I would I would be trying to get it right. You know, I wouldn't just wing it. I would be getting the the paperwork exactly right. So let's just let's just get it right. Amen to that for sure. So once we've done all that, let's say we pass the smell test, we're ready to go after the IACRA review. Does that is that where we say we're qualified and we move forward? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I I will log into IACRA. I will have to enter the um, the the government issued photo ID. Where you know I, I have to tell it if it's a Texas driver's license or a passport or a military ID. I need to say the the issuing state. I need to put in the expiration date, the number, and um, then we, we talk about the Pilot Bill of Rights, and we talk about the uh, Privacy Act. And then I have the applicant sign in, and um, um, you'll actually sign the application. And at this point, uh, I and okay, now back up. We didn't even talk about qualifying the airplane. This qualifies the pilot. So before we even have done this, we're going to look at the airplane as well. Okay, so the airplane, the applicant has to present a legal airplane. And um, so it has to have an annual or progressive, you know, some places are on progressive inspections. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've been fortunate uh, to actually fly with some people that have fairly new airplanes that don't have an annual. Um, the first time I did that, um, the, the, I said, okay, let, let's, let's take a look at the latest annual. And the applicant says, it doesn't have an annual. And my eyes got really big and they just kind of smiled and said, the airplane's 60 days old. And I went, oh, okay, well, <laughs> let's see what you got. Yeah. That's a treat uh, to, to get to go yeah. in. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to look at, and, and I'll, I'll give the people different different things to look at um you know sometimes i'll ask for the ad list um pedostatic um uh annual um uh, just 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 be able to prove that the airplane is airworthy and i'll usually ask i'll say does everything in the airplane work and um you know most time they'll say yes but occasionally they'll say no the 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 whatever the the DME. left nav light. Yeah, okay. DME doesn't work. Okay, well, show me in the logbook where the DME is um, placarded and up. And the, the the thing that happens for a fly school owner here, right? We've we've I've seen everything crazy, everything good, everything bad. Um, what would you think 
if you were at a random fly school, Wally, and they presented you with the actual airworthiness certificate out of the airplane, like they handed you the original airworthiness certificate out of the airplane. Yeah, I, I would prefer they not do that. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the thing that I like is a, a picture. Um, you know, uh, th- this is me personally. I'm going to go, when we get in the airplane, I'm going to look at it and make sure it's still in there. But you just, um, you have issues with, um, with uh, you know, it, it not getting back in the airplane. <laughs> So, oh boy, would you uh, ever! And I don't know that I have a real world example of that, but it scares me every every check ride to make sure that they don't have the real one. Um, but pictures are okay, I guess is my point, right? And I yeah. think you should make a binder or something and put the airworth a picture of the airworthiness certificate, a picture of the registration, because that's going to help the DPE know that you've done your due diligence. And I would think, all biases aside, someone who comes out prepared, you're probably feeling pretty good about that. Like yeah, they got they got yeah. their A game on for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you do you want to see all the, like the three thirty sevens and do you make them look at the each hundred hour annual VORs? Do you do you do all that stuff or is it just more of a hey if I see half of them or a few of them I kind of know that they've done their due diligence or is it like every one we're going to go through them? I don't go through every one of them. Um, you know, some of these airplanes have a lot of time on them. They're, they've been around a while, and it would take a long, long time to do that. But, um, um, you know, I, I go through, and I, I have to be, I have to feel pretty comfortable with the airplane. Um, a lot of the times there's, you know, it's an airplane that I flew yesterday. Yeah. Okay, so so I, I, I you know, it. Not only flew yesterday, you qualified yesterday. So you might have seen the other half of the things yesterday that you know aren't expired. And today you see the other half that you learn now aren't expired, right? Right, right. Yeah, and so I will. Let's take a look at this today rather than that. And so the, the one thing that I think always, as I see students that are preparing for their check rides and for whatever reason, might not have looked at the maintenance records until five days before that check ride for the first time, right? What what is an AD? What's exactly is an AD? And if you so if you say what's an AD list and where's the AD list and they kind of look like they don't even know what an AD is, that's probably going to be an issue. Yeah, and I will say this: the the sign off in the annual saying that the airplane meets has complied with all the ADs does not meet the requirements of an ad list okay so um you know i i own an airplane i've i've owned airplanes every annual i do my my amp provides me with a current ad list of of the airplane and so it's not that big a deal to get but uh, we ought to be able to produce the ad list when i think someone's a little too confident wally and i'm not a flight instructor yet but i when I feel there's a lot of confidence, I just ask someone, well, what was the last 337 that was done on the aircraft? And yeah. they, you can almost see the blood leave their face because the 337 is brand new. They've probably not heard of it, but it's a major alteration, right? And right. as a part 141 school, our records are tip-tap shape, and we have a lot of 337s on these aircrafts. If you put a 430 WAS unit... In an airplane, as as it relates to the 
the rules of the FAA, that's a major alteration. And there has to be a 337, and that has to be filed with the FAA. So if you get asked about a 337, I would suspect if the airplane's more than two months old, there's probably been some major alteration, and you need to be able to be ready to present that to a designated pilot examiner when you get asked that question, for sure. Yeah. Prop yeah. change, an engine change. like These planes have all had these things done, and those 337s must be up to date. Right. Absolutely. Okay, so now, after we've even just talked all this time, are we qualified and ready to start the check ride? Well, yeah, now we're going to log into IACRA, and the applicant is going to sign the application. And uh, as soon as that happens, the test has begun. Now we start getting nervous because Wally's going to ask us our first question about weather or whatever we hate. That's what we're worried about the most at this point now. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, in my opinion, there's still a ton of things that flight instructors can continue to improve upon candidates can continue to prove upon because we probably got a letter from wally wally has a pdf you can go to wally's website you're going to get the pdf if you request the check ride there's going to be things that we have to do normally it's going to be a cross country for a private commercial maybe an instrument i guess all three of those we're going to have to come prepared we're going to have to know what those things are that's the check ride piece and we've done a lot of shows on those Boys and girls out there, you can do a great job of becoming really well-prepared. Printouts. Have it electronically on your iPad if you want to, but have the printouts. Have the paper documents. Have backup batteries. Just show the designated pilot examiner that you truly are prepared and that this isn't just a, mm, I'm going to wing it. Um, this isn't a Saturday flight to a airport that's 30, that's 30 nautical miles away. This is a big deal. Right. And I will say this. Part 61 outlines the requirements for a check ride. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at Part 61, subpart F, commercial pilots, aeronautical experience. It has right here what you need to have completed to take this check ride. Um, I can remember graduating college, you know, um, I'm sitting there with the paper degree requirements going through i went through it over and over and over again make sure okay did i take english 101 did i pass english 101 did i take uh physics 205 did i pass that yes yes i did i did um same way it's it's in the regulation it tells you you must have 250 hours total time 100 hours in powered aircraft um, 50 of which must be in an airplane um, x amount of cross country you know it it just goes through all this it's right there in front of you one you know it talks about the cross country requirements uh, whether you have to have night cross country all that kind of stuff it's all in the regulation it's available to you so take ownership of it it's your check ride Go in and make sure you absolutely meet all these requirements. I thought it was my CFI check ride. Yeah. Well, you, you get that a lot. Well, my, my instructor said this. Well, okay. You know, <laughs> there that's is like, an ACS. You can read that ACS. It's got a checklist inside of it. They're free on the internet. Go download it from the FAA's website. They should help. Yes. 
but it's yours. Own it. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about a lot of things throughout the week. While a couple notes I had for this show was, how do you feel about my social security number being on my application for the FAA? Yeah, I, um, I, I, I wish people would click the box that says do not use. I mean, when you initially uh, put in a, a, um, an application into IACRA, uh, I, I, think, I think you're required to put the Social Security number in there. But when, the, uh, um, when it comes down to filling out an application, there is a do not use um, option. And please, please, people, click the do not use. I don't want to see your Social Security number. Um, if we print this, we have to go paper. Um, your stuff gets lost in the mail. Well, you know, there's a Social Security number that's out there, and everybody knows those are very important. So um, if, if you don't have to do it, don't do it. No doubt. And I think it's just one of those history things where the FA did, used to do it. There weren't bad guys. There weren't hackers. Man, just just do not do it anymore for sure. Well, um, until about until about the nineties, uh, your pilot certificate was your social security number. So, yeah, there were no hackers in the nineties. Right, hackers right. hackers happened after the nineties. So every time they, I signed know. a logbook, you know, every time I signed a student's logbook back in the day, um, my social security number was in there. All right, well, everybody's got Wally's social security number then. <laughs> Yeah, Amazing. All, all, my, all my old students, they're now pulling out their logbooks if they can. There they are. If they're, if they're still alive. Yes. The other things that I put down here is a logbook audit, right? You just went through it, no question. But there's, there is a way to go through that summary in each subpart and know whether or not you meet those requirements before you sit down with Wally or the DP in your area. Again, if you don't have – I've seen it, and it's so painful – to see it a student pilot is ready to go they've got 55 hours and they've got 4.9 solo non-cross-country time they got they got 5.0 cross-country and they got 4.9 other hours of solo and somehow they just missed that point one and that point one prevents it i think i've actually seen it where someone's actually done the point one and then came back and finished the check ride right meaning they went solo yeah. the point one um yeah. It, well, where the problem is, the problem is when they have 4.9 of solo cross country. Now they're they're a tenth short a of cross country, but now so now they got to go 50 miles away to get point one, and it just can't get done. And I guess right. that's a good opportunity to talk about the troubleshooting that we talked about this week, right? If you're missing point one of solo time, not the solo cross country time, use your brain. Ask the DP. Can I go do a lap in the pattern? Yeah. Can right. I, is there a way you can help me solve this? Can I talk to my CFI for two minutes? There's got right. to be some thinking that's involved. You are the pilot in command now, right? These, yeah. these things aren't always unsolvable. They might feel like they're unsolvable. You may have never experienced this opportunity. Wally may have, your, your flight instructor might have, your flight school might have. Um, just don't throw up your hands and go, I don't know what to do. Ask drive it yeah own it yeah troubleshoot troubleshoot problem solve you know we we do that in the airplane if we're flying along and 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 something is not working i mean the 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 answer is not let's go put it down in walmart parking lot and then fix the nav light um 
you know, let's let's try to solve this problem. Can we solve yeah. it with it? And and a lot of times, a lot of times it's a missing endorsement. And I'll say, okay, well, you're you're missing this this whatever. And I'll say, okay, I guess we'll need to come back. And and I'll, I'll go well. When I walked in the flight school, I saw your instructor. Maybe go. Oh yeah, okay. That I, I guess I could go talk to him or her. Yeah, don't so. don't be that guy or girl. Go get some help. We, yeah. we we talk a lot about you know the the iPad and the paper and do I have to do it on paper? Do can I do it on the iPad? I think the reality is is if you did it on the iPad, I would suspect most most DPS will accept that today. But why not print it out? Why not have a backup copy? Yeah. God forbid that your iPad's overheated or the battery dies, and that that's the reason why your check ride doesn't get started or going. Those things are easily solvable. Try to solve for those things that are easily solvable. Um, another big bullet I have on my list for this podcast is if you're an instrument person, you're taking an instrument check ride. Wally, other DPEs are going to make you disable the aircraft in four flight, right? Wally, you're going to make them do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If they've never done it before, do they look like they've never done it before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they, they say to me, how do I do that? So, yeah. Okay. Well, so now we're going to do something for the first time on a check ride. Okay. Awesome. All right. Not going to go very well. Right. Right. If you're a commercial student, really, if you're an instrument student, hold your CFI team accountable to making sure they're logging your instrument time, both under the instrument rules and 61-129, which are the commercial rules. You want to speak about yeah. I know you're passionate about this one, Wally. Yeah, let, let's talk about 61-129. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. 61-129 is the aeronautical experience required for a commercial pilot certificate. And under this, um, it says, 10 hours of instrument training using a view-limiting device, including attitude instrument flying, partial panel skills, recovery from unusual attitudes, and intercepting and tracking navigational systems. Five hours of the 10 hours required of, on instrument training must be in a single-engine airplane. This is a rating for a single engine, uh, obviously. So what does that mean? Well, a lot of commercial CFI, you know, a CFI teaching a commercial student will think, well, hey, the, uh, you know, he or she has his instrument rating, so they've got 10 hours, okay? Well, the FAA has interpreted it to mean that this is in addition to the 10 hours. However, there is a caveat. This training can be accomplished concurrently, in other words, along with their instrument training, as long as it is logged appropriately. So if the instrument instructor is giving the person this time, and again, it says using a view-limiting device, so we're talking about simulated time, not actual time. Um, but if, if uh, uh, an instrument instructor is giving uh, instrument instruction and they, they use a view-limiting device, they can log this under instrument time, and they can also put in the logbook endorsement in accordance with, and most of us will accept IAW, in accordance with 61.129. And in that case, it would count toward that 10 hours. This comes up a lot, and where it, where it comes up most of the time 
is when when applicants have switched flight schools. They did their their uh, instrument at at a different flight school, then they come to this flight school, they're getting their, their commercial. A lot of times the CFIs just are unaware of this. And if anybody is interested, if I have a co- the copy of the letter, I'd be glad to email it to anybody. It's the letter of interpretation from the FAA that states all this. Just email me at wally at behindtheprot.com and uh, ask for the letter, uh, the interpretation letter for 61129. I'd be glad to email it to you. Um, but this is something that our FISDO is very serious about, and they've they've they're very they've they've come down on on the examiners saying you will you will check this. So um, it's something we're looking for uh, for all commercial applicants. Well, I have to say, this has been one of these kind of uh, grindy things for me over the last probably year. We've had some check rides not get started. We've had some crazy ones where people have been at multiple fly schools and some of their old endorsements didn't look right and their solo time really didn't count. That That's always going to be hard, but you got to work with your CFI team to figure these things out. This might be the longest show we've done in some time, Wally. Now almost 50 minutes in. Hopefully, this helps everybody. If we said anything that wasn't quite accurate or you think there's things we need to talk about and share with the listeners, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. As we said, Bobby at BehindTheProp.com and Wally at BehindTheProp.com. We would love to hear your feedback, hear your show ideas, and hear how we're doing. Don't forget, five-star reviews are awesome as well, wherever you listen to our show. As always, get qualified for your check ride and stay behind the prop. Fly safely. Thanks for checking out the Behind the Prop podcast. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out online at BehindTheProp.com. Behind the Prop is recorded in Houston, Texas. Creator and host is Bobby Doss. Co-host is Wally Mulhern. The show is for entertainment purposes only and is not meant to replace actual flight instruction. Thanks for listening and remember, fly safe.